0: his blessings to us um but before we get going let me uh let me start by praying gracious heavenly father um thank you so much for today lord um thank you for this opportunity to gather together and worship you Um, lord we're just so thankful for you um i'm thankful for this opportunity to um serve you lord um i just pray that um that you open up our hearts and minds um to uh, hear your word today and um, we're just so thankful for your son Jesus we pray it in his name amen all right so before we get started in matthew 20 i want to give just a little bit of background um, about what this parable is about um, there's two different settings in this there's going to be um, the vineyard um, which kind of represents um, a lot of times in scripture um, the kingdom of heaven and then there's the marketplace um, and then there's a, a number of main characters, but the, the two that we're going to focus on today is the landowner, um, that, that represents God, and then um, the day laborers, and that's, that's us. Um, so as you as we walk through this today, try to put yourself in the position of, um, of these day laborers. Um, this is a very common scene um, in Jesus' day. So when he explained this, um, this concept would not have been foreign um, to the disciples or to the people that he was talking about. Um because of the the, uh, the the Roman Empire and the the kind of crazy oppression, um, the taxes were just completely out of control. Um, you think that our taxes are bad? These taxes were, you know, exponentially higher. And you know, in a lot of cases, people actually lost um, their own land and ended up having to go and work um, in these fields that they may have even previously owned in the past. But it was very common for for people to be able to show up um you know at a marketplace and look for work on a day-to-day basis and and really what they were trying to do they didn't have a steady job um or income like like a lot of us are are um, blessed with they they had to go every day and just hope that somebody would choose them um, to be able to to go and work in their field or do something for them and they would expect what would be a living wage out of that Um, and we're not talking about a lot of a lot of money here this is just enough to be able to um, feed yourself or your family for that day and then you'd have to be right back at it the next day so there's a lot of trust involved in in going and, and and hoping that you can get employment for that day now in that time too the workday was a 12hour workday and it would start at um, at 6 p.m. or 6 a.m. sorry and go until 6 p.m. Um, sorry for my my medical workers and nurses that work 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Uh, these people work 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, but so when we go through this, we're going to talk about the, um, the, the first hour and then the third hour. The third hour would be 9 a.m. The sixth hour would be noon. The, the ninth hour would be 3. And then the 11th hour that they're going to call out is, is, that Jesus is going to talk about is, is 5 p.m. And then the end of the day of the work is 6. Um, as I talked about with the payment, the payment was called, um a denarius and you know this is just a a small coin um i don't have a picture of it or anything but um you know essentially that was what they would consider the daily wage um now when i researched this um you know i i wanted to understand how much that was and you know think about it being like two dollars and fifty cents like just not not a tremendous amount of money and in fact um while this Particular story talks about this 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 amount of money that the that the landowner is going to pay the workers um, As being a denarius that actually might have been able to take somebody um, A lot further than just a day Um, a New Testament laborer would need one denarius for about three weeks worth of sustenance Um, And then like if you're providing for a family of four think about five days, and so it's pretty generous giving Um, one denarius for the work that that person's going to be able to do for that particular day. But as you'll find out, that's not really the point of of what this um, story that Jesus is going to tell is all about. Um, Unlike a lot of the other parables that we've been through thus far, um, this parable only shows up in the book of Matthew. And so there's no cross-reference to it um, in in Mark or Luke. Um, And also there's no explanation by Jesus. Some of the parables will then quickly follow with you know jesus is kind of um you know telling the disciples well this is what i meant by that there's there's really no version of that here either and so as you can imagine um there's pretty varying interpretations of what this this particular story means to people um so i wanted to just do a quick reminder um and jonathan kind of talked about this the first time um that we went into the first parable but we really want to be able to be cautious about how we look at the interpretation of these things Um, and i'm not saying that that the interpretation that i got out of it is necessarily the perfect interpretation by any means but um some of the things that you could traps that you could fall into is allegorizing too much where you are you know trying to make a representation for every single object in the story or if you're trying to expand the metaphor that the story is trying to to, um, point towards and so we really need to ask ourselves what are the truths or what truth was Jesus trying to teach in this and stay focused on that? And really, what's the point? How is this different from um, a full story that we might listen to where we would take everything literally? Um, we really want to try to pick out the pieces of it. So usually in these parables, there's one big idea, and uh, we're going to try to find that this morning. So let's start by by reading um, Matthew 20. If you want to open your Bibles, um, we'll be at Matthew 20, and we'll start in... Verse one, and we'll go through 16. So I'm just going to read the whole parable, um, and then we'll kind of dive into it verse by verse. And sorry, Robert, but there's a lot of the slides, so you know, not trying to set any records here today or anything. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be a longer sermon. It just means that I, I like I like pro presenter, I guess. Um, okay, let's go to the Word of God. Um, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And going out about the third hour, remember that's 9 a.m., he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came they thought that they would receive more but each of them also received a denarius and on receiving it they grumbled at the master of the house saying these last worked only one hour and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat but he replied to the one of them to one of them friend I am doing you no wrong did you not agree with me for a denarius take what belongs to you and go i choose to give you this i choose to give to the last worker as i give to you and i am i not allowed to do what i choose with my with what belongs to me or do you begrudge my generosity so the last will be first and the first will be last all right so first of all like i said there's there's a lot of um different things going on here and um you know if you're just thinking about this literally you might say okay well Okay, great. There's this landowner. There's all these people that are looking for work. Why does this guy keep going back over and over and over again? Like it wouldn't. Does this guy not know how much labor he needs for the day? Where he would just go out in the morning and be like, "All right, well, I need 15 people, and that should do it." He keeps going back and back and back. And then why go back at 5 p.m. with only one lo- one hour left in the day? Um, I mean, that just it just seems a little bit off why he would do that. Um, and it's but it's not really what Jesus is focused on here. So. We start in, in verse one, it says for, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. So last week we talked about, you know, what, what the kingdom of God is all about and how it grows through us um, over time. Um, it's God bringing, you know, his son here to be our savior, to be able to get into the brokenness of this world and take the pain and chaos out of this world um, it's God's will in his way just transforming our lives but Jesus didn't just come right to to talk about what the kingdom of heaven was going to be about he came here to build disciples to grow disciples for us to be a participant in that kingdom and so when he's talking to the disciples in this case about this parable you would imagine that he would say okay look you know you guys are all here you're following me if you're going to be a disciple of me this is a story that I need you to take into account about how you should live your life as according to the kingdom of heaven and so that's what he did and so in, in the in verses 2 through 5 he goes on he says after after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day he sent them into the vineyard and going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, and going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And so there's two different things going on here. The first, the first time he goes out, the first first laborers of the day, he asks for them to agree to work for a particular wage, this denarius. But then as he goes out subsequently, he says, I'm going to do for you what is right. And I think that, you know, when, when we talk about um, the the righteousness of God, um, you know, really when you, when you break down that word righteousness, it is um, about having a right relationship with God. Um, but a lot of times we think of it as right as just being a moral thing, right? Um, and so, you know, these guys have got to take a, a bit of a leap of faith, and say, okay, you know, I'm going to go out and work. I need to work, um, and it, it was common for the landowner to go out there. But you know, Jesus adds this amount of tension to say, okay, I'm going to go out multiple times to get these people because he's trying to build up on a point here. And so, these you've got people going at the first hour, the third hour, the sixth hour, and 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 now the ninth hour. And then we get into uh the 11th hour so in verse 6 he says and about the 11th hour he went out and found others standing and he said to them why do you stand here idle all day they said to him because no one has hired us and he said to them you go into the vineyard too um i think that this speaks a lot to the desperation of humanity um we are in desperate need of jesus and You know, you can imagine these people who had almost nothing. Their whole livelihood, their family, their children, all are dependent on getting this job for a day. They might come away from that. I'm sure that there was people that didn't get hired, and they went home and they were hungry. Um, So for somebody to come and ask, why are you standing here? It's almost kind of like, why do you think I'm standing here? You know, I'm I'm, I'm hungry. I want to work. That's what I'm here for. And so he says, even with an hour left in the day, I'm going to bring you in to work. And they don't know that he said he's going to pay them what is right. Um, they might think, okay, well, I'm only working an hour. I'm going to get just a small fraction of what you know I might have I might have been paid if I was there the whole day. But that's good enough. Like I just I just want to work. And so he shows he shows an amazing amount of grace in that in that moment when he goes back for more people. Let's look at uh, at verse eight. This is where it starts to get. Interesting um, And when the when the evening came the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman call the laborers and pay them their wages beginning with the last up to the first so the the story here would be pretty uneventful if he would have paid the first out to the last um, and, and this is what makes it interesting as a, as a parable in a story because you know Jesus is telling this to make a point that's not about how much these people make or how many times the, the the landowner came out during the day he's he's making a point about um, the kingdom of God and in this case he says I'm gonna pay out the last first and so you can imagine that you know this would seem a little bit weird but as far as when he made the payment this is a completely normal thing that they would have relate to let's turn over to, to Deuteronomy 24 Be at verse fourteen and fifteen. so this is this is talking about uh, the Jewish laws, and it says, "You shall not oppress a hired worker who is poor and needy' whether he is one of your brothers or one of the sojourners who are in the land within your towns, you shall give him his wages on the same day before the sun sets for he is poor and counts on it. Lest he cry against you uh, to the Lord and you will be guilty of sin. So it's normal. Like th- These people are going to get paid out at the end of the day. It's the right thing to do. So the landowner is, is doing right by the people that are working for him. And, but again, the, the crazy thing about this is that he pays out the last first. And so if you look at, at Matthew 20, verse 9, it says, And when and when those hired, about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. It's an amazing amount of generosity for the landowner. I mean, if you were to, to know the context of... Um, you know, the people that, that came first and knew that they were going to make this amount of money for the day, the fact that he paid people who worked just one hour the same amount as the people who worked all day, regardless of what the people who started first think, um, it's, it's absolutely amazing the generosity that this landowner has. Um, and like I said earlier, that, that amount of money, um, based off of some references, was actually enough for him to be able to, you know, feed his family for a whole week. Um, and so he paid them just the same, even though they didn't work the same as the other people, um, who came with them. And then if you look at verse 10, it says, now when those hired first came, uh, they thought that they would receive more. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you, I mean, if you had just seen somebody, um, who got paid what you had agreed to get paid for one hour, wouldn't you think, okay, well, may I work 12 times that much? Maybe I'll get at least 10 times that much. Because that's our system of, of merit in our world, right? We expect to get paid for what we do. But that's not what happened with these first hires. Um, and what do they do? It says, and uh, on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house saying, these last worked only one hour and you've made them equal to us who have, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. I mean I, I could totally relate to that. I would just be like, come on, guys, like this is, this is this is this is crazy, right? You're paying that guy the same amount as me, and I've just broken my back all day long in the sun. Um, and so what do you what do you say to that? It's not fair, right? That's what we would say. It's not fair. God's not fair in in his um outpouring of blessings towards us. And that's a good thing. And we're we're going to get into that in a second. Um, so if you look at verse 13, he says, um, but he replied to the one in saying, friend. And I love I love this because it's like the, the gentlest of rebukes, right? Like if, if you were the, the boss and this guy's grumbling at you, you have every right to be like, dude, come on, man. Um, but he's just like, friend. Um, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree uh, with, with me for one denarius? The landowner is just in this case, just like God. He's not paying the man any less than they agreed to. He's not paying them paying him more either, but he's not paying him any less. And by some accounts, like I said, the landowner was more than generous um, with with the amount that he was paying him in the first place. So in verse fifteen, the landowner says, "Sorry, uh, went too far." Verse. Uh, Verse 14, take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give the last worker as I gave you. And then in 15, um, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the word begrudge means envy, um, to be envious or jealous of somebody or something. Um, the the New King James version of this, and I don't have a slide up on the screen, Robert, so don't try to find it. Um, but it says same verse it's not lawful for me to do what i wish is it not lawful for me to do what i wish with my own things or is your eye evil because i am good so that's kind of a weird sort of way of saying things and i think in a lot of translations um the translators have kind of done the work for us where they've kind of said okay like let me make this just about you know generate uh, generosity and our and people's envy towards others but if you look at back at Deuteronomy again, chapter uh, chapter fifteen, verse seven, it says, <clears throat> "If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land." that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient uh, su- lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart or you say, the seventh year, the year uh, of release is here, like you're about to pay off all your debts essentially, um, and your eye look, grudgingly on the poor brother and you give n- him nothing and he cried to the lord against you and you'll be guilty of sin so that 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 phrase there your eye look grudgingly that's what they mean by the the evil eye um and so this is something that was normal to them um and and then if you look at proverbs 22 proverbs 22 and then 28 Twenty-two, verse nine. It says, "Whoever has a bountiful eye, so that's a grateful eye, uh, will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor." And then in Proverbs twenty-eight, verse twenty-two. It says a stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him so those two things are kind of you know they're kind of diametrically opposed so to get a little bit more context here let's go back um, into what's happening in in chapter 19 just before this Jesus talks about meeting a rich young man um, who asks what good deeds he must do uh, to have eternal life and so in in Matthew 19, verse 17, Jesus replies to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. And he's talking about the Father there. The landowner in this parable is representing um, God the Father. And he is good and he is just. But this story about um, about the rich young man goes on to say that he... Can't walk away. Jesus asks him, just give up your possessions and come follow me. And he won't. He's, he just has too much that he feels like that is more important than being saved and having eternal life. And so, right after this, Peter then asks, okay, because the, the disciples are like, well, we've given up everything to follow you. So, in, in 1927, Peter asks, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And this parable is actually kind of the response to Peter's question because it points back to the fact that, yes, Peter and the rest of the disciples, they've given up everything to follow Jesus. They're doing fantastic things with Jesus, through Jesus, but it is not about what they're doing as much as it is about following Jesus and being a part of the kingdom of God. Jesus talks in that same section about providing reward, that the reward will be hundredfold for the disciples and those who follow Jesus. But he also then warns in this parable about the cost of envy and jealousy against other believers. So instead of of being grateful for the ability to have basic needs, food on their plate, these, these laborers, they get wrapped up. Their joy is replaced with the envy of those who got the same for doing less. They've lost focus on the fact that this is a complete blessing of generosity, right? You follow me here? Like the, the, the landowner has given them exactly what he promised them, and he chose to do the same thing for people who deserved less. From an internal perspective, this would be like us saying, well, you know, God, I've served really well over the course of my life. Um, I'm kind of in your camp, Larry, where I would say, you know, I, I try my hardest, but I know I'm falling way short. Um, but that would be like us saying to God, that who doesn't owe us anything, that we deserve better. And the fact is that we've been saved by grace through faith. It has nothing to do with the works that we do, and that's not what this parable is about. It's not about the working. It's not about the pay. It's about the attitude. It's about the relationship. So how do we apply this to our lives? This parable is about you know, God's justice through his generosity. And it applies to all of us. It, it embodies the heart of God, and it, it shows us how we're meant to interact with other people. Not just, not just believers, but anybody that we come into contact with. From a worldly point of view, it doesn't seem reasonable that the landowner would pay these people the exact same amount of money. Because like I said earlier, we expect to get paid for what we do. Um, but that's exactly the point, right? It, God isn't fair by the world's standards. And he isn't unfair either. I mean, we should be thanking God, blessing blessing God by the fact that we don't deserve to be treated the way that He's treated us at all. We deserve so much, so much worse. we We deserve to be disconnected from, you know from a relationship with him. But thank God, He continues to come after us. This embodies God's grace for us. If you look at romans six twenty three it's probably a familiar verse to a lot of people says for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord God generously gave to us what, what we didn't deserve at all and as we experience God's generosity in our lives it should work through us and we should be generous towards others. People should point to us in our radical generosity and say, What's what's with these people? Why that seems so unfair. Why are they doing that? And that's exactly right. We say point to our God. Our God is unfair in these types of things. Gives us exactly what we do not do not deserve. Being generous is absolutely central the gospel you will hear that message over and over and over as you read through um, God's Word and we should aspire to be radically generous Um, you know we we don't talk about it often enough in here but we you know our, our mission statement at TCC is to make much of Jesus live generously and to love others like Jesus loved us and that live generously part is something that needs to be a part of our DNA you know, and not just to each other here, but in our community as well. So what prevents us from being generous? If I think about that, I think it's it's a lack of gratitude for um, what we've been blessed with. What God deems is right and fair and just. We're never satisfied. We're never satisfied. Um... How often do you find yourself in this state of mind um, where you're, you know, go over to somebody's house and they've got, you know, a shiny new TV and you're like, oh my gosh, my TV's trash now. Um, or you know, the, the latest, I'm sorry, Android users, with the latest iPhone just came out and you're like, man, my buddy just got that and it takes pictures differently now. I need that. Like, you don't need that. Um, And this goes on and on and on it could be it could be things that aren't even material that you're looking at and being envious of others about and it's it's just an incredible trap right it's so easy for us to move from a place of gratitude and joy to a place of jealousy and envy and the worst part is how much time and energy and finances we waste because of envy. And the tragedy of that is that in exercising our response to that envy, um, it reduces our capacity to be generous. Right? So let's say that you, you know, you bought that brand new iPhone and you had to take out a loan to get it. And now your your good neighbor is is having um, some financial problems and you feel like God is on your heart and saying, like, I need to help that person, and you can't because you are now tied to that debt Um, and that's just one example Um, and I, I this isn't all about you know you know buying things that you shouldn't have or anything like that there's a lot of good that that God wants us to experience it's not that we shouldn't have anything but it's when we put those things in the place of what God wants us to be and that's you know in this case it's for us to be generous people and that should be a first sort of response, a, a part of our DNA, like I said. Some of the other interpretations of this parable um, talk about how if you could view this as basically looking at the different phases of a person's life.